Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another installment of the podcast. I am once again joined by my co-host and the American Dream, Oscar, Oscar Seal. How are you? The American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Well, I'm sure we're going to be seeing some bionic elbows thrown in the case this Saturday at UFC 292. Uh, Aljamain Sterling is defending the title against Sugar Sean O'Malley. And uh, wow, this card is really full of very interesting matchups. But uh, I was... I said we talk about what already happened in a uh, UFC Vegas 79 this past Saturday, Vicente Luque versus Rafael dos Santos in the main event. Absolutely, I'll get it loaded up straight away, and we'll talk about uh, the main event uh, off the top. Um, Vicente Luque getting the getting the decision, getting the nod over Rafael dos Santos, uh, three to two. Uh, if you look on the scorecards, I, I believe it was three, in 48, 47. Um, you know. Heading into this fight on paper, um, it was looking like a really good fight, wasn't it? Um, not, not, not saying that we've been let down a little bit, but as as you said before we went on air, I feel like Luke played it safe, and that's what happened. Yeah, so Vicente Luke had worked on his defense heading into this fight because he had a brain hemorrhage, and he was actually admitting to being scared of getting hit in this fight, and it looked like it. He did not want to stand and bang like he usually does this time around when Rafael dos Santos initiated the clinch attempt to takedowns he would reverse position and get takedowns of his own he broke his takedown record I think he got around four takedowns in this fight and I I really couldn't have asked for more of him coming off of a tough uh tough knockout loss like that he actually ended up getting eight takedowns in this fight out of 11 attempts and got 12 minutes of control time this wasn't the most exciting fight, but it showed that Vicente Luque is actually improving later in his career. And uh, for Rafael dos Santos, uh, I'm exactly sure what he was thinking going back in the clinch after being out, out, uh, outmanned, quite frankly, continuously. So uh, this was a solid performance by Luque, showing that he's not just a one-trick pony trying to finish guys. Now he can, uh, now he can outmaneuver them. Absolutely. Uh, and I was talking really good um, about, you know, RDA. Um, but now, now we're kind of looking at it. Obviously, he, he's been around in the UFC for a very long time. He's almost 39 years old. What, what, what is the goal right now? What do you reckon the goal right now is for RDA? Where does he go from here? Because ultimately, he's never really going to get to the top, I don't believe. I don't think he's ever going to reach them heights ever again. Yeah, the thing with RDA is, is obviously he was a former lightweight champion. That's where he belongs. But the thing is that weight cut is not not kind to him. And here at welterweight, he's gonna get uh, he's gonna get out wrestled, out muscled by these big guys like Luke. So uh, it's a tough spot for him. I don't think he's uh, he's ever gonna even crack the top five of this division. Uh, same same thing goes for uh, the top five of the lightweight division. Either I just think he should be in a point where he's taking fun fights, honestly. And he's already yeah, moved to Austin, Texas. He's going to open a gym there. He's already thinking about his retirement. So for Rafael dos Santos, I'll still watch this guy fight no matter what, but it's not it's not going to be in title contender bouts. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and, you know, was, the main event was, uh, you know, when, when, you, when you have Luke in paper, you get your hopes up for a, you know, a fantastic fight, and you look back at the fights that he's had back in the day. Uh, ultimately, this one didn't really turn out like that. But you know, we move on. Uh, we we'll talk about the co-main event, 
And this one was probably the biggest talking point of the night because of the way it swung um, or swinged, whatever you want to say. Um, the judges were on the wrong side of the winner. Um, in my eyes, I thought Hakeem Dawood done enough, clearly. Um, even Cub Swanson showed maybe Hakeem Dawood should have got a nod. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts on this, Oscar? Uh, I, I'm in complete agreement with... You know, Hakeem, he should have got he should have got a job done. Well, he well he did get the job done. He, the judges did do, do didn't do their job basically. Yeah, I really have to go with uh, Hakeem Dawan doing this one. Just because the fight was close doesn't mean that there was a clear winner. The clear winner was Hakeem Dawan doing every single round. He outstruck Cub Swanson. Uh, round one nine uh, twenty nine to twenty three. Round two twenty nine to twenty eight. And round three was 37 to 26. If you were going to give a round to Cub Swanson, it's probably the third round because it was that round where he was able to get a takedown and get over a minute control time. But uh, even that round, you could have scored for Hakeem because he outstruck him. Uh, Hakeem 100% had the volume edge here. Uh, Cub Swanson performed better than I thought he would, but those judges, uh, I don't know what they were thinking. Cub Swanson began to clap for Hakeem Dawadu before his own name was announced. Uh, that was not, that's just not a good look. When the guy himself is not defending himself, that shows that he probably shouldn't have won. So Hakeem Dawadu should not be too upset about this um, in terms of his performance. But I, I really think this was one of the worst decisions we've seen all year. Absolutely agree. Uh, Oscar, me and you have both have glasses and we saw the fight better than the judges. It's it's, outro it's atrocious. Yeah. Um, we'll move on. Um, we'll talk about Khalil Roundtree. Um, and I and I said this last week. I, I just felt like Chris Dawkins is going to get knocked out. Um, you said it as well. Um, three devastating knockouts in a row. It's going to be hard for anyone to really, you know, mount anything over combat like that. Um, getting knocked out against Derek Lewis, uh, Curtis Blades, Jarozina Rosenstrike. And now Khalil Roundtree is one of the hardest hitters at 205. Um, credit Dorcas, them, them three knockouts were heavyweight, but that 40 pounds cut, man, it's, it's going to make him more vulnerable. And we saw it. Uh, for Chris Dorcas, he was he was in a bad spot to begin with. Not only um, was he having a lot of success in heavyweight because he had that speed advantage, uh, he also wasn't that great of a wrestler. And that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to use his black belt in jiu-jitsu, but uh, Khalil Roundtree is a physical specimen. He was able to defend the takedowns and uh, on the feet. His Muay Thai is off the charts, man. And Chris Dacus, uh no longer having that big speed advantage. He really suffered from it. And uh, it appears that his durability has been significantly uh, decreased by the damage he's taken against uh, Curtis Blades, Derek Lewis, and Jarzinho Rose Strike. Uh, I really think he should be fighting uh, a guy that's at the bottom of the food chain at light heavyweight in his last chance. And for Khalil Rontree, he requested a main event. I think uh, I think he's worthy of it. He's got excellent striking, a fan-friendly style. So, uh, yeah, for Khalil Rontree, I think it's time for top 10 opposition. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where Khalil Rontree goes from here. Uh, but I, I, I kind of want to talk about Chris Dorcas. Um, you talked about, you know, getting that another shot at, you know, the bottom bottom of the barrel, should we say, at 205s. Um, do you think they give him another shot? I mean, four knockout losses in a row. Um, 
it really wouldn't surprise me if, if if we see this week a notification from the UFC roster watch fight removed Chris Dawkins. That, that, and I wouldn't, uh, I really that wouldn't really surprise me to be honest. Yeah, they they did cut his brother Kyle Dawkins for less after he uh, after he suffered uh, two defeats to Roman Delice and uh, Eric Anders by finish. So that's a possibility, but. He is a guy that's uh that's kill or be killed, and the UFC does like those guys. So maybe they give him like a ten or bows or, or something like that. And and the most important thing as well, the UFC need heavyweights as well, so they're probably um more lenient to keep hold of him. And you know, so uh we'll move yeah. on to the next one. Uh Isman Lucindo. This was the UFC uh, told you so fight of the week, Oscar, and you got me. You won this one. Yeah. Yeah, so apparently the former Jiu-Jitsu world champion, Paulian Vienna, could not handle uh, the young Isman Lucindo, Yasmin Lucindo. Her Jiu-Jitsu was apparently very high level. We had seen it on the regional circuit against, you know, really bad competition. But for her to do that to Paulian Vienna, who has never really been uh, subbed like this in, with that arm triangle, she did get subbed with, uh, with an arm bar in the past, but yeah, not a good performance by Viana. I thought her advantage would be in the pure jujitsu, but that wasn't the case. So she was completely outgunned. Yeah, completely agree. Um, fantastic performance from Brazilian. Uh, tough spot Poliana Viana is in now, but you know, uh, nonetheless, good performance. Uh, we'll move on to AJ Dobson versus uh, Taffin and Chukwu. Um, this one, I, I don't know how to explain this one. Um, I thought Taffin and Jukwu maybe had the edge. Uh, AJ Dobson was 0-2 inside the UFC, and obviously Taffin and Jukwu wasn't the best run or, or, on his own uh, on his own right, but AJ Dobson got the job done. That's probably the best way to explain it. Yeah, so AJ Dobson uh, brought his wrestling singlet for this fight. He got two takedowns, and that was a difference maker on the feed. It was a little, it was a little close, but uh, it was clear that Dobson was better. He had more output in this fight. So that's what got him the job done. This wasn't the most exciting fight. Uh, so, yeah, that's all you have to say there. Dobson wrestled and he got the win. Absolutely. We've got a few more minutes until we move on to the contender series of PFL. Uh, but we've got some really good fights to really talk about. I mean, the prelims and obviously the Joff Friend versus uh, Jamie Pickett fight, they really delivered. I really enjoyed the prelims. Uh, I, I thought the Jeff Friend fight and Jamie Pickett. That was a phenomenal fight. They were really going at it. Uh, I wasn't too. I wasn't too big on this fight. Honestly, it was it was a lot of control time. Uh, there was not even fifty significant strikes landed total by the two guys. Um, but Josh Friend was the better guy in there. Even though he didn't get any takedowns, he was the guy getting uh, the control time in the clinch on the feet. Um, yeah, Josh Friend. I thought he was going to get a finish here. I'm not overly big on either guy's future, but uh, good good for Josh Friend. Absolutely. Uh, but we'll talk about some stars. Um, I talked about him last week. Marcus McGee, phenomenal. Um, I felt like this is another fight that he can win against JP Byers. Obviously, JP Byers has not had a great success inside the UFC. Uh, Terrence McKenney as well. Um, obviously, I, I don't want to call it a layup fight, um, but a, a, another fight that he can win. Uh, and Isaac uh, Dolgarian as well. Um, a fantastic performance versus Francis Marshall. Uh, Martin Bidet as well, getting a submission win. Um, and uh, Jacqueline Amorim, obviously getting another ground and pound win. Uh, that was a fantastic fight. Damar Blackshear, remember that name, because it, we, we'll speak about him later as well. Um, getting another fantastic win against Jose Johnson. And a twister, the third one of the UFC um, 
history. And Luana Santos as well. Defeating Juliana Miller, sum up them first, you know, the prelims. Yeah, the prelims had zero decisions on them. They were very fun to watch. Uh, all of them ended in the first round except uh, Amor Main versus Conejo, and that was complete domination. The prelims were awesome. Uh, anybody that skipped this card uh, probably doesn't uh, feel too good about it. They probably have uh, FOMO syndrome. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll, we'll move on to the contender series uh, and PFL. Um, but, you know, uh, I just want to quickly talk about Juliana Minar. Um, tough spot she's in now. After winning tough, she's dropped two back-to-back losses. And I thought this performance... Could have been the worst performance yet. I, I thought she looked. I thought she looked terrible. Yeah, uh, Lorena Santos not exactly known for, for being a knockout artist. She herself is more of a more of a grappler, and uh, she fought Juliana Miller. And Juliana Miller, the the technique simply wasn't there. She was just uh, she was just fighting with her uh, with her spirit out there, and uh, that did not go well for her. As soon as she got rocked, she never recovered, and. Uh, there was just nothing to fall back on, and the fight had to be stopped. Absolutely. Uh, we've got a few minutes, uh, to, and we'll just talk, quickly talk about this segment. will be about the Contender Series and PFL that is upcoming this weekend. Uh, the Contender Series that happened last night, um, I really enjoyed it, other than the main event. Other than that, we had a really, really, really good card. Um, top to bottom, obviously, we started off with two finishes, um, a decision, and then, obviously, the, another finish. Uh, and, obviously... Um, you know what happened in the main event? Abdul Al Osawadi um, really stamping his claim. He he really impressed me in this fight. He showcased a lot. Um, heading into it, there was a lot of talk by myself as well uh, that obviously how good George Hardwick was um, striking uh, everything about him. The way he mixes it up is so good. The way I'm talking about him now, and you know, it, you, you might think he's the best fighter in the world, but on this night, Abdul had his number, and did he badly have his number? I mean, it was 30-27, beat him up, um, was always first to the punch, always last to the punch as well. He was not letting George Hardwick have the last say. He was he always had to get in there. Fantastic performance. Sum up contender series. Who's who's the one you're always looking forward to? Um, I, I know I, I, Ibo Aslan as well, the Turkish uh, 205er. Man, uh, we, we had some fantastic performance last night. Who's the, who's the most you're looking forward to? Yeah, I really liked uh, Gregorio in the opening fight, getting that first-round knockout in just uh, 60 seconds. Uh, he actually is out of the Sarah Longo training camp, and his teammate Sterling is defending the title this Saturday. Uh, I always root for the guys coached by Ray Longo because Ray Longo has coached three champions. He's dethroned two of the greatest ever. He's dethroned Anderson Silva, and he's dethroned um, GSP. So that's a great coach. Uh, Gregorio has, and also, I really like the work by uh by Ebo Aslan, as you said, getting that quick KO. He's uh he's one of the best fighters out of Turkey, and Paulo Hanato Jr. I don't know why this guy's getting shots at the Contender Series. Uh, he went to a decision at heavyweight with a with a Jamal Pogues, who's not high level, and uh, so I knew Ebo Aslan would destroy, and he did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. First Turkish person, as you mentioned there. Uh, inside the UFC, five contracts given last night, um, which has been quite of um, what's the word? You know, it, it's Generous. been happening. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's been happening every every week now. Not not expected, but uh, yeah, Dana White's been very generous. 
um, in recent weeks. Um, we'll talk about PFO8. Um, obviously, it's the playoffs, the semi-finals. Um, we've got heavyweights and women's featherweights this weekend. Um, we'll just talk about this quickly. We'll just talk about you know the you know the playoffs, and we'll talk about a few fights on the prelims. Henan uh, Forever, Maurice Green, Lucy Pacheco versus Alina Kozenk, Dennis Goltsov versus Jordan Heidemann, and then we have Marina. Yeah, Marina versus Amma Lybrock. Um, I'll, I'll go through my quick picks. Um, I really rate Renan Ferreira. Um, I think he's fantastic. He's very tall, very long, very rangy. He strikes. He striking is very good. He's had a little bit of ups and downs as of late, but I do choose him to pick Maurice Green. Uh, Lucy Pacheco versus Alina Kozink. Um, I've had Alina Kozink on the show um, a few times, and we've had her on recently as well. Um, but I just can't help but pick Lorena Pacheco um, because she's 0-2 versus Larissa. Um, I, I mean, if she's watching, I'm sorry, but I hope you proved me wrong. Um, but I, I just feel like the odds are kind of stacked against her. And I, and I really rate Larissa Pacheco. I think she's really good inside the PFL. One of the best that they have in uh, the women's featherweight. Uh, Dennis Goldsoff versus Jordan Heidemann. I'm going to pick Dennis Goldsoff. Um, I feel like this is where we're going to see Jordan Heidemann um, find out and not find out, but, you know, find out, you know, not levels, but I think that Dennis has got so much experience. He's been in the PFL for a very long time, loads of seasons. Um, and it won't be bad for him to take the loss, but, you know, uh, against Dennis Goldsmith. Uh, Marina uh, Maka- Makakina versus Amal Ibrock. I'm going with Marina. Uh, I like Marina. I mean, she, uh, the way she fights is fantastic. Amal Ibrock coming off, a, you know, a, a tough loss. Uh, this one will be good to watch. Uh, and I want to kind of kind of highlight as well. Nate Kelly, been on the show a few times. Absolutely fantastic. And if we quickly scroll down, scroll down, Godina Marquez as well, used to fight in the UFC. Louis Sutherland, Scottish guy, coming over there uh, and fighting over there in the PFL, um, Madison Square Gardens. Which fight are you most looking forward to? Who are you picking? Yeah, I'm actually a fan of uh, Caitlin Neal. Uh, she was on the Ultimate Fighter with uh, oh, yeah. Juliana Miller. Uh, I thought she got robbed when she fought Juliana Miller. Um, so, honestly, she could have won that whole thing. And uh, now in the PFL, it looks like she's improving with every fight now. And uh, obviously, the main event, the heavyweights, I really think that uh, this is not a good fight for Murray Green. Murray Green got knocked out by Greg Hardy back in the UFC. He had a bunch of awful performances. He has looked a little better since he's been training uh, on the regular with John Jones. But I do think that Henny Bader has got the power to put away Murray Green. Absolutely agree. And obviously, Larissa Pachenko versus uh, Alina Kozink. I probably know who you're picking for that. Yeah, I do think uh, Pacheco gets the first round KO. There's no reason to believe that she won't get it. Uh, she's looking like the most dangerous uh, power puncher in women's MMA today. I've got to say, though, Alina Kozing has done a lot since, you know, the losses. Uh, she trained with uh, Maya, uh, the boxing world champion, um, Mikaela Maya. So she's trying to elevate, elevate her game, but I feel like it still won't make a difference, unfortunately. Uh, we'll move on. We've got 20 minutes uh, to talk about UFC 292. So I'll get it loaded up and we'll talk about the main event straight away. So okay. here we go. UFC 292 heading uh, down to Boston, Massachusetts this weekend live on ESPN pay-per-view. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the main event first, obviously. Uh, Aljamain Sterling defending his belt versus Sean O'Malley. Oh, man, oh, man. Uh, Sean O'Malley started his career um, as a young, brash, uh, looking up to Conor McGregor, got his shot on the, you know, Denmark contender series, 
absolutely thrived and ran with it ever since. And is probably arguably one of the biggest stars we have in MMA right now. If he wins this fight this weekend, his stock, his fame, everything will be huge. It'll be massive. Um, I think O'Malley is a star. And if he wins this weekend, he's an even bigger star. I would put him up there with the likes of... Like, just big. Just big. I, I had to think there. But he would be huge if he wins this weekend. But the problem is, if you look at the man across against him, across the fence, Aljamain Sterling. Jesus Christ. I mean, one, one of the best that we've had at Bantamweight. Yeah, he had a tricky fight against Peter Yan. But since that, he's he's looked near unbeatable, really. Let, let's be honest. Fantastic performance against Henry Cejudo. Um, and now he takes on Sean O'Malley. I, I, I don't think it's going to be easy for him. But I think it's going to be eventually he's going to get the job done. And I, and, I, and I see a late finish uh, for, uh, for Aljamain Sterling. I see a backpack late finish. Um, and, there's, and there's this talk about how Aljamain Sterling, you know, his wrestling is not that good, but he's obviously, his, you know, his, his jiu-jitsu is good, but his wrestling is not all that good. He took down Henry Cejudo. That's all I need to know. He's going to take down Sean O'Malley at one point. It doesn't matter when, he will. Yeah, I agree with you. There's so many advantages on the Aljamain Sterling side on paper, but uh, Sugar Sean has some advantages of his own. He's five years younger. He's got a one-inch reach advantage. He's got a four-inch height advantage. Uh, he has a higher striking output. So if this stays standing, obviously, he probably will win. But people have got to respect Aljamain Sterling's complete skill set. So when he fought Pierre Jan in the rematch, the rematch that a lot of people did not score for him. Uh, you look back at it, that's a very legitimate victory. In round one, he outstrikes Jan. Um, yeah. Jan missed a lot in that first round. Aljamain Sterling is good at being elusive, so he's not going to be uh, as hittable as Sugar Sean's past opponents, like Peter Jan, who does start slow. Uh, obviously, Chris Martino, Holly and Pai, but those are fights where you can easily get those knockouts. Uh, against Sterling, he learned his lesson against Marlon Marais. He's not going to be there to be hit. And I do think that he will get a takedown in every single round. And Sugar Sean O'Malley knows Sterling's game. He knows he's all about getting on the back. So I think Sean O'Malley will probably be stuck on the ground for a long period of this fight because he will not attempt to give up to get up because getting up means he has to give his back. So I think he's going to be stuck like in half guard or full guard a lot, a lot of time in this fight. So I, I think this is going to be domination by Sterling. Maybe we see uh, Sean O'Malley drop Sterling at one point or another this fight, but I think Sterling will get his bearings back. And uh, I think he, we're looking at a unanimous decision victory for Algernon Sterling. The guy took down Henry Cejudo four times, for goodness sake. Henry Cejudo is a short and stocky, powerful wrestler. Sean O'Malley is a tall, skinny guy. So I think uh, Sterling is going to have an easy time. This is a really good matchup for him. And uh, after this, he will go up to featherweight. And he will likely fail. But he, down at bandweight, he's got a really good uh, good size that he can use to bully these guys around. Um, Sean O'Malley, he's worked on the jiu-jitsu a lot. Um, but I don't think it's on Sterling's level at all. Uh, when we saw him fight Piotr Jan, he got taken down multiple times in that fight. And we know that uh, Jan's wrestling is not 
top tiers we saw against uh against Marab Devashvili. So I really I'm very confident in Aljamain Sterling here. I think people have got to start giving him res- his respect, regardless of uh what they think about the guy personally. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I, I do think we're going to see that as well. Um, but w- when we talk about Sean O'Malley and look at his performances, he's got that feeling of producing something special when it matters. Is is that is that is that a possibility this weekend? Or in your head, strictly, there's no way Aljamain Sterling gets caught. It's going to be business for him. I think there's a very real possibility we see uh, an epic KO by Sugar Sean O'Malley. But I just think that uh, Aljamain Sterling has done his homework and he's not going to be struggling with him for too long and allowing uh, Sean O'Malley to snipe him from the outside. So, uh, yeah, that maybe I would say that that would happen if Sterling's uh, Sterling's weight cut goes horribly because, as we said, the guy's moving up because the weight cut is not kind to him. And uh, bad weight cuts, it can really affect your chin. So we could see something happen there, but... I do think that uh, Sterling has so much momentum on his side. He's on right. arguably the greatest uh, UFC abandonment run in UFC history. Um, so, yeah, I have to side with Sterling. Right. That, yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I mean, I love talking about this. Uh, it, it, say in a world Aljamain Sterling wins, um, what would you do if you were Aljamain Sterling? Would you keep that bantamweight belt as leverage to fight for the 145 pounds and they may be Marab versus whoever for the interim belt. So it's like a champion versus champion super fight versus Alexander Volkanovsky. Or do you vacate it and let Marab win or try and fight for it? Yeah, if I'm Aljamain Sterling, I, I just keep the belt. And I think the UFC would probably do an interim title. So uh, I don't think it would affect his, his buddy Marab too much, which I do believe that uh, Marab is probably going to be one half of the vacant title fight or the interim title fight. And I think he probably wins it because what he did at Pirion was out just astounding. It showed just how good he was. So I think he's going to be champion regardless. Absolutely. Um, fantastic main event at Bantamweight. Uh, I'm looking forward to Edmund Soto versus Sean O'Malley. Um, we've got two title fights to talk about. That was the first one. This is the second one. Uh, a women's one. A women's UFC strawweight championship bout between Weili Zhang and Amanda Lemos. Um, this is a fantastic fight. Uh, when you look at, you know, their runs as of late, uh, Weili is looking fantastic. Uh, after then, you know, the, you know, the double losses versus Rose Namajunas. Getting that spinning back fist over uh, over Joanna Jacek and obviously Carla Sparza, um, getting the rare naked choke. Amanda Lemos, on the other hand, we know what her game is. She's got power in the hands. The strike is fantastic, um, and obviously she's got a little bit of her grappling too as well. Um, the only time we've you know really seen her struggle was against a powerhouse, and that was Jessica and George, where she just got kind of pinned up against the fence, standing on triangle choke, and that was kind of it. Um, and then she bounced back versus Michelle Watson uh, Gomez. And obviously Marina Rodriguez. Um, I, I, I see. I don't know the keys for victory for her in this fight because I, I, I really rate Weili Zhang. I think she's got the the better of Amanda Lemos. Pretty much anywhere she, the fight goes, her wrestling has leveled up monumental um, levels since you know partnering, working with Henry Cejudo. So I think she's got the you know the advantage there, uh, and obviously striking. That's where I think it's going to be more closer. Uh, obviously, Amanda Lemos has power in her hands, but so does I, I feel like so does Wei Lee. We've seen her knock her out, knock out Jessica and George, um, obviously back in the day. Um, 
And obviously, we've seen her with the spinning back fist as well. This one, though, yeah, I, I, I think Whaley's going to take it. I think she's better wherever the fight goes. Um, and I, I, was, I thought that we're going to see a decision, though. That's, that's, where, that's where I predict I'm actually leaning towards a knockout for Sean Whaley. Amanda Lemos has looked almost unstoppable at women's strawweight. So she started out as a bandwagon and she dropped down two divisions. And now that she's at strawweight, she's able to use that uh, size and power advantage uh, against a lot of the lower level talent and just destroying what she did to Montserrat Ruiz. Um, she knocked her out like in a minute. The Angela Hill fight, she really uh, had Angela Hill in trouble on multiple occasions in that fight, but I actually thought she lost to Angela Hill. Angela Hill, we love her. We know she can be competitive with anybody, but she's not on the level of a Zhang Weili. Um, yes, yeah, so to be that competitive with her, that that's kind of alarming, and she looked completely gassed at the end of that third round because uh, they fought at a very high pace. And then she fights Jessica Andrade. She gets submitted very easily in round one, standing on triangle. Um, and Jessica Andrade has not looked that good after after that. And uh, we saw what Zhang Weili did at Jessica Andrade. I do think that uh, Zhang Weili will have a grappling advantage in this fight. Although Amanda Lemos does have a very nasty guillotine. That's how she beat uh, Michelle Washington Gomez. Prior to that guillotine, she actually uh, lost round one. She got taken down and held down. So I think uh, Zhang Weili is capable of doing that. But um, on the feet, I do think that Zhang Weili has a speed advantage. So I do think that when we see um, when we see Amanda Lemos begin to tire, I think Zhang Weili will, will attack her and look for that knockout. And if not, she she may be capable of getting a submission. The submission she got against uh, Carlos Barza was very impressive. It was in the crucifix. It was a, it was a rain naked joke from the crucifix. I've never seen that before in a championship fight. Um, I do think that this is a great fight for Zhang Weili, but if she elects to strike with uh, Amanda Lemos and just swing in the pocket, there is a chance that we can see Lemos get a knockout because Rosanama Yunus did get that knockout against Zhang Weili. And Zhang Weili was in a war with Yuan and Yan Jacek, and she took a lot of damage there. So I'm not 100% sold on her durability after that, but yeah, I'm going to have to take Sean Willie. She's a freak athlete. She's going to be stronger, having the rest of the advantage and the cardio advantage, which will be most important in this fight. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, we've got some fantastic fights. Uh, another good one uh, to talk about, obviously, is the next one. Neil Magny stepping at short notice uh, for Jeff Neil fighting Ian Machado Gary. Um, this one, I, I, I really like this one. Uh, I, I would have preferred Jeff Neil, obviously. Um, but this is still another good fight. Neil Magny, as game as they come. Um, my gosh, he would he fight anyone, anywhere, any place. Um, this is a huge opportunity for Neil Magny to, to just kind of put his state. And, you know, I'm still around. I'm still doing my thing. But if you look opposite him, Ian Gary, man, I'm on the train. I am absolutely on the train, Oscar. And I think he's going to go in there. Um, in recent years, we've never really seen Neil Magny I, I, I don't know. The only time we've seen Neil Magny absolutely knocked out, starched off the top of my head was Santiago Ponsonibio, and he got hurt against Max Griffin. So I would say there is a huge possibility Ian Gary knocks him out. I agree with you. Uh, Ian Gary sold me on his potential when he demolished D-Rod in round one. 
Uh, Neil Magny also finished D-Rod in round three, but I do think that uh, Ian has a speed advantage. He's got so much potential at this young age. He's undefeated. Neil Magny, on the other hand, he's very predictable. We know that uh, he's going to try to just be technical early, and then later in the fight, he's going to start to use the clinch and where you at when you're tired. Um, I do think that Ian Carey has the perfect game plan to uh, to counter Neil Magny. And unlike most of Neil Magny's opponents, he's not going to slow down. We've seen Ian Carey fight uh, at a very high pace with high volume and not look tired at the end of three rounds. So Ian Carey should 100% outpoint Neil Magny here. And there's a possibility he does get a knockout. Neil Magny has the most fights in welterweight history, if I'm not mistaken. He's taken a lot of damage, so... Uh, as you pointed out, that Max Griffin fight, he got dropped twice. We can see um, Ian Gary get a finish, and he's got really a really good submission game, too. So I think uh, Neil Magny has a lot to worry about, and Ian Gary, not so much. I think uh, Ian is maybe my most confident pick on the whole card by, by Ian's decision, I'll say. Absolutely agree. Uh, did you say Neil Magny? No, uh, Ian Gary. Yeah, Ian Gary. Oh, Ian Gary, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, completely agree. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's a great showcase bout uh, on the main card. We've got two more main card fights to talk about, then we've got the prelims. Um, fantastic card. This is Marlon Vera uh, taking on Pedro Munoz. Um, this one, uh, th this one's a fantastic fight. We know we know we're going to get from Marlon Vera. Um, you know, not not maybe not enough volume, but he's got power. He's got you know, he's got that, that that you know that them hands you know really cause damage. Um, other than obviously losing to Corey Sanhagen in his last fight, he's looked really good. Dominic Cruz, head kick KO, uh, Rob Font, decision win. Uh, Frankie Edgar, uh, front kick. Uh, David Grant, decision win. If you look at Pedro Munoz, uh, just recently got back to winning ways against Chris Gutierrez. Um, draw, but well, and no decision versus Sean O'Malley. Uh, lost to uh, Dominic Cruz, lost to Jose Aldo, beat Jimmy R Rivera. That was his last five. Um, I'm just, I'm just going to go out there and say it. Uh, I, I think Marlon Cheetah very wins. Um, I don't know how he wins. I don't think I don't know whether he knocks him out or knocks him out or goes decision. I would say most likely go to decision. Um, I, I I don't really see Pedro Munoz getting finished uh, for Marlon Vera. I, I, I mean, Marlon Vera has been a, a very very violent finisher as of late, so it, it definitely could be a, you know a possibility. But I see Pedro Munoz hanging in there, um, and I think Marlon Vera is going to take take the wide decision victory. I think this is a very close fight, and a lot of people don't realize it. Uh, Marlon Vera, his style is best suited for five-rounders. The Dominic Cruz fight, he lost the first two rounds, but he was able to get that fourth-round fourth finish. Um, he does well later in fights. He's got multiple third-round finishes out there, uh, but unlucky for him, he's fighting the guy with the best chin in the whole division, uh, Pedro Munoz is the most hittable guy in the division, but has the guy ever been knocked out? No, that chain always holds up. So there's no reason to believe that uh, Marlon Bear will be able to do it. I think uh, Pedro Munoz has uh, has been slept on by many because he fought the highest level of competition, so many champions, um, but those guys can't put him away. Uh, in his last fight, he came in as an underdog to a guy on a seven-fight win streak in Chris Rodriguez, and he beat him. So uh, he's he's got some momentum. Marlon Vera, on the other hand, his last fight was Corey Sanhagen, and he himself said that he just didn't show up that night. His body just just wasn't working with his mind well. So 
if he has another flat performance, Pedro Munoz for sure will win this fight. But I do think he's going to come in a little extra hungry. And uh, he's got really powerful kicks. And I think at the end of the day, Pedro Munoz uh, being super hittable will be in his favor. Pedro Munoz will win that first round. I guarantee it. Marlon Barrow loses the first round to everybody. But come round two and three, I think Marlon Barrow might land the bigger shots in a win a decision. But there's no there's no real confidence here for me. Yep, yeah, uh, I, I like the pick. I've got Marlon Chia very as well. Uh, we'll move on to the last main card fight. That's Mario Batista versus Damon Blackshear. I told you to remember his name. He's back one week later. Phenomenal stuff from Damon. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, it, it it's a fantastic fight. Um, I really rate uh, Mario Batista. I've been saying it. We, we, well, I, we we said it for years as well. Um, other than you know, you, you know, he lost to Trevin Jones. Other than that, he's looked you know not near perfect, but he's looked really good. Uh, Jay Jay Perrin obviously beating Brian Kelleher as well, beating Benita Lopez, and obviously beating Gilda Kennedy in his last fight. Um, and obviously Damon Blackshear, you know. He won two days ago, two days and five hours ago versus Jose Johnson in a twister. Um, yeah, this this is a fantastic fight, but I'm just gonna pick. I'm just gonna pick Mario Batista. I think he's got a uh, fantastic trades when it comes to you know his strike and his hands are very very crisp. He's got the submission as well, um, uh, submission game as well. So uh, I feel like he's gonna be able to hold up. Uh, but you know, Damian Blackshear is two back to back wins now. This is a good one for. Mario Batista to get under his belt. Uh, I'm, pi- I'm, I'm picking Mario. Who have you got, Oscar? Yeah, I, I, you have to go with Mario Batista. Uh, Damian Blackshear uh, defeated, uh, who was it, um, Johnson this past Saturday. Yeah. And that that was an easy fight. He got the twister. Uh, he won't be able to do that to Mario Batista. Mario Batista is a very good fighter. He trains out of the MMA lab with Sugar Sean O'Malley, with... Uh, who just who just knocked out JP Bays, uh, Marcus McGee. Oh, so he's got really good no, training partners. McGee. Marcus McGee, and uh, he had a full camp. Um, and Demont Blackshear, he didn't take any damage against Jose Johnson, but he has to cut weight again. So you have to imagine that's not going to be uh, great for him. And Mar Batista will have a wrestling advantage here, and I don't think he's going to be open to be submitted. And on the feet, I would say he probably has crisper boxing. So I'm going to go with Mar Batista by unanimous decision. But I do think that Damon Blackshear will give him a tougher fight than his last four opponents. Uh, Guido Canetti, Benito Lopez, Brian Kelleher, and Jay Parrott. He was able to dominate those fights and uh, get finishes in two of them. I don't think he can finish Damon Blackshear, who's uh, shown that he's definitely UFC level. Completely agree. Um, we'll look at the prelims now. Uh, I'll quickly go through them, talk about them, then we'll come back and uh, you know talk about you know the fights in, in you know in proper detail. Uh, Chris Weidman versus Brad, Brad Tavares, Gregory Robocop, uh, Rodriguez versus Dennis Tullin, uh, Kurt Hullabau versus Austin Hubbard, Cody Gibson versus Brad Katona, Jared Mershart versus Andre Petrowski, uh, or Petrowski, uh, Andre Lee, o- Andrea Lee, so versus Natalia Silva. Uh, Mariana Marais versus Karine Silva. There's the prelims. Uh, obviously, you can see there Cody Gibson versus Brad Katona. Uh, Kurt Halabau versus Austin Hubbard. The top 31 finales. And then we have uh, Chris Weidman, former UFC middleweight champion, returning after his, his leg break. It's going to be interesting to see how he gets on. Um, I'll quickly do my picks 
Uh, Chris Wyman's Brad Tavares. Fantastic fight. Looking forward to it. Um, a sensible fight to get Chris Wyman back in there after, obviously, the unfortunate event uh, versus Uriah Hall, where he landed uh, a kick uh, in the first 10 seconds or whatever it was, uh, and that was it. It was done. Uh, 17 seconds, and it was broken leg. Wrap. Um, unfortunate. It's been a while since he's been, uh, obviously, in the cage, and now he's fighting Brad Tavares. Uh, Brad Tavares has also been in the UFC for a very, very long time. Um, his record speaks for itself, but, you know, the who's who in the middleweight division. Uh, but if you look at Asley, two back-to-back losses versus uh, Drikas Duplissi and Bruno Silva. Um, I was talking to Oscar before we went on there. I felt like this was a good fight for Chris Weidman to get back in there. And I felt like it's a winnable fight. If you look at Chris uh, Brad Tavares, his only, I would say his only route to victory is maybe he's, you know, his, well, his grappling. His grappling is obviously showcased he's, he's throughout his career. Uh, and it, it, when it comes to striking, he just toughs it out, um, takes shots to give some. Um, Chris Weidman, I feel like, is not maybe not better than that, but he's more experienced. He's been at the higher stages. He knows, you know, what, where he has to be. And obviously, he's got that wrestling as well. So I feel like there's no chance Brad Tavares takes Chris Weidman down. Um, so I, I'm picking Chris Weidman. Um, and, I, and I see this one being razor close on the scorecards. Yeah, I do think that Chris Weidman is not done like some people think he is. He's a big underdog in this fight. And sure, he's coming off of a major injury. But when you look at what these two guys are capable of on paper, it's really not even close. Chris Weidman dethroned the great Anderson Silva, beat him twice. And he's also beaten Leonardo Machida and Vitor Belfort. And then, sure, he had a couple couple losses that were pretty tough, especially the ones where he got knocked out brutally in. But he's fighting Brad Tavares. Brad Tavares doesn't knock out anybody, really. He hasn't knocked out anybody in years. And he himself got knocked out in his last fight against Bruno Silva. So Chris Weidman, uh, he 100% will have the wrestling advantage in this fight. I assuming his, his leg is not completely done. Um, and in terms of jiu-jitsu, Brad Tavares, I don't even think has attempted a submission in the UFC. Chris Weidman, on the other hand, is so good with the submissions. He got his black belt in jiu-jitsu very quickly because of how, how good he is at it. And he submitted um, Calvin Gastelum back in the day. Um, but I do think this will go the, the full 15 minutes either way. And I think uh, Chris Weidman wins because of his wrestling advantage. And if he can't use the wrestling advantage, the takedown threat on the feet probably will be enough to make Brad Tavares a little timid. Brad Tavares does have 80% takedown defense, but uh, Chris Weidman was taking down the likes of Yel Romero. So I do think he should win this fight. And I think he's a good bet. I know, I know it looks bad betting on a guy coming off an injury like that, but he probably should win based on his skill set. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's always exciting to see Brad Tavares in there. He's been in some absolutely fantastic fights down the years. Um, obviously, that big win against um, Anderson Silva being you know, the pinnacle of it. Um, moving on to the next one, Gregory Rodriguez, Robocop taking on Dennis Tillin. Um, I love Robocop. He's always in the exciting fights. He's just... He's, I, don't know what, I don't know what it is about him. I just love watching him fight. Uh, obviously, um, I just remember him having a fantastic fight where he had that big, massive cut, came back, knocked him out against Julian Marquez. 
Um, I think it no, was, it was a Chidi Njokwani. Oh, that's it. Chidi Njokwani. Um, but obviously he lost his last one against Bruno Friero. Um, but if you look opposite him, I think this is another fantastic fight uh, for him to get a victory. Um, if you look at Dennis Tullin, he's lost. He, he's one and two inside the UFC. He's only winning against Jamie Pickett. I am favouring Gregory Rodriguez heavily in this fight. He's four and two in the UFC. I feel like he showcased ability to win inside the UFC. Some really good talent, really good skills. Um, but he just fell short to some really good prospects like Bruno Ferreira. So I feel like this is a good fight for uh, for Gregory Rodriguez to win. And I feel like we might even see a knockout. He's exciting, man. I love him. Yeah. Dennis Tallulah is sporting one of the ugliest records in the UFC. 10-7 and seven with one no contest. I don't think he's a very high-level fighter. He's a, he's a brawler. He's a marauder. And if Greg Rodriguez stays in the pocket too long, he might end up like he did against uh, the Hulk Bruno Ferreira, where he got knocked out in round one. He also got knocked out in round one on a contender series against a welterweight. Uh, Greg Rodriguez is not super durable. He is very tough, though. And he's got a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Does he use it a lot? Not really, but this is a good fight to use it. He's fighting Dennis Tulunin. Dennis Tulunin got submitted by Jung-Yong Park in round one in his last fight. Uh, Jung-Yong Park himself struggled with Gergi Rodriguez on the ground. So uh, this could be an easy night for Rodriguez if he decides to grapple. But if he decides to strike, I would probably think he wins this fight too because Dennis Tulunin, as I said, will leave openings. And uh, Greg Rodriguez is is very powerful. So I think Rodriguez gets a first-round finish. I'm going to say he plays it smart and wins via first-round submission. Yeah, I completely agree. Looking forward to this one. Greg Rodriguez has talked about you know, I love watching him fight. He's always interesting. Uh, he's, he's been in some fantastic fights down the years as well. Um, let's talk about the top 31 finals. Um, Kurt Hollabau versus Austin Hubbard. Obviously, Cody Gerson versus Bracatona. Uh, my picks is Austin Hubbard. I think he's going to win. Um, I think he's got the better of uh, Kurt Hurlbaugh. Even though Kurt Hurlbaugh looked really good against um, oh, Kurt Jason, Knight. Looked Jason Knight Jason and Knight, uh, Lee Hammond. But yeah, and against Lee Hammond as well. Yeah, so but I I, I just think Austin Hubbard. Um, he had some. He had, he had mixed results inside the UFC. Um, I I thought heading into the fine uh, the lightweights. I, 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 when I first looked at the lightweights in the top. I thought Austin Hubbard and Roswell Roberts were my favourites to win, go on and win, and I'm sticking by that. I think Austin Hubbard's going to go on and win the victory, uh, get get the victory and get the contract back into the UFC, and we'll move over to the the bantamweight one. Cody Gibson versus Brad Katona. I mean, Brad Katona has a chance to make history, if you want to call it that. Obviously, it will be history, actually. Um, two tough championship wins is what he's looking to do, um, and I think he will do it. Um, I really rate Bracatona. I think he's good kind of everywhere where the fight goes. Um, he's had two losses. They were both in the UFC. Um, he, he, you know, he, he, what, he's two and two inside the UFC. Then he got cut and some had some really good success outside the UFC. Now it's his chance back into the big leagues against Cody Gibson, who's, you know, he's been around for a very long time as well. Um, but I, I really rate Bracatona. Might be because he's training at SBG Island and I might be a little bit biased, but yeah, I think Bracatona and Austin Hubbard are going to win and get the contract. Uh, yeah, so for the lightweight finale, I'm going to have to pick Austin Hubbard in that fight. It's a very close fight. 
But uh, the thing is, Kurt Hollabaugh, whenever he fights guys that can take him down and hold him there, he doesn't do too well. He was losing to Lee Hammond on the show before he got that Hail Mary guillotine in round two. Uh, Lee Hammond, very young prospect. I think he was only five now. Uh, I think Austin Hubbard uh, probably wouldn't get caught in that. And on the feet, it's, it's very close. It's very close. But I think uh, Austin Hubbard will get some takedowns in this fight and uh, edge it out barely by split decision. And in the bantamweight finale, Cody Gibson versus Brad Catone. Brad Catone already won the show. And then he got into the UFC, and he only lost twice, and then they cut him. I don't think this should come. He's he's a really good fighter. Uh, and he's a guy that's not going to make a lot of mistakes out there. He's going to play it safe, and he knows how to win, win rounds. Cody Gibson, on the other hand, he had a tough stretch in the UFC. Um, but uh, since then, he's not impressed me all that much. Sure, he did get the flying knee against uh, Mando on the show. And then, I believe it was during that fight, yeah, he tore his MCL. So he came in compromised to his second fight against uh, Rico DeShulo. But that was very easy. Rico DeShulo, not a great grappler. He was able to get the takedown right away and got the rear naked choke. He's not going to do that to Brad Katona. Brad Katona will have a wrestling advantage in this fight. Uh, and they were having a beef in the show because Cody Gibson said that Brad Katona is not a real fighter. He doesn't like fighting. He just wants to uh, hug guys and whatnot. What's well, going to come back to fight Cody Gibson because he's going to get hugged. He's going to get taken down. And uh, it's going to be uh, a technical fight that Brad Katona will win. And he'll be the first two-time tough champion. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, and as I scroll down here, we see the first three fights of the evening. Uh, obviously, uh, Marina Moros, um, Moros, sorry, versus Kareem Silva, Andrea Lee versus Natalia Silva, Gerald Marshall versus Andre Petrovsky. Uh, so, talk to me about them first three fights of the evening. Um, they're okay, not the best, but talk to me about them. Yeah, I think this is a do or die fight for Joe Mirshot. Uh, I think Joe Mirashart, uh, when he was having better days, probably wins this fight, but his durability uh, looks worse and worse. In his last fight, he got knocked out by Joe Pfeiffer right away. Uh, before that, he was able to submit Bruno Silva in round three. That was a great performance. Um, but you look at uh, his fights with uh, Dustin Soltzfitz and Christoph Chotko, those are guys that take him down, defend the submission attempts, and uh, do well. Um, the Soltzfitz fight, Stolzfus did get eventually submitted round three, but rounds one and two were really good rounds for Dustin. Complete domination. And we're talking about a guy, Andre Petrovsky, who is on a very good run right now. Uh, he he did well on the Ultimate Fighter. He got a win on the Ultimate Fighter. But uh, after that, he comes to the UFC. He gets four fights, and all four fights have uh, have been really impressive. Uh, Wellington Terman was the only guy he didn't finish. That was a very boring fight, but at the end of the day, the guy will take you down, and he will overpower you. I think he is going to do that to Joe Mirchard, and he wins a unanimous decision. Yeah, I could be I, I got Jared Mirchard as well. Um, you pretty much summed that up perfectly. So uh, we talk about the next two fight: Andrea Lee and uh, Natalia Silva. Uh, Andrea Lee, you know, if you, if, if you know, not scroll back a few years, um, if we just we you know rewind. Um, and, you know, kind of look at the position she was at. You know, she was fighting these, you know, not I want to say top contenders, but she was up there 
sorry, she was up there. Uh, you know, she was fighting John Wood, Laurie Murphy, Roxy Modafari. Uh, obviously beat Antonio Shevchenko, uh, beats uh, Safia Cavillo, uh, but then kind of lost against uh, Viviana Rujo, basically Barber. She loses against, you know, uh, the top 10 um, of the division. Um, she's not, she, I don't think she's ever going to really get further than that. Um, if you look at the t- uh, Natalia Silva, she's free and outside the UFC. She beat Jasmine uh, Justavicius, uh, Teresa Bleda, uh, Bleda, or, uh, Victoria Leonardo. Um, so she's looking good, and especially in her last fight, uh, landing that head kick, finishing off the fight. This one, I'm picking Silver, but uh, she's got two finishes. She had that spinning back kick as well. She's looking good. Yeah, we got two Brazilian Silvas kicking off the card. So you know I got a root for both of them, uh, for my <laughs> namesake. Uh, Natalia Silva is taking on Andrea Lee, and Andrea Lee has already reached her peak, and uh, Natalia Silva is not. So uh, I'm going to have to pick Natalia Silva here. She had uh, a really good jiu-jitsu game to start her career. Then she takes a long layoff and comes back with this great striking. She wipes out Jasmine Jazz Divisius. She gets a crazy KO against Teresa Bolita. And then uh, she fights um, her last opponent and just steamrolls him. Uh, I think she's Victoria she's Leonardo. Deal. Yeah, she steamrolled Victoria Leonardo. Uh, Andrea Lee will look to get takedowns in this fight, and she might get a couple, but I do think Natalia Silva probably lands the more uh, damaging strikes at the end of the day. But this will be a very close fight, but the ceiling is higher with Natalia. And then in the opening, Karina Silva taking out Marina Moros. This is actually a rematch. Uh, Marina Moros beat Karina Silva back in the day, but Karina Silva is a completely different beast now. In her first uh, UFC fight, she fights uh, Paulina Batejo. She knocks her down and then gets a Dars choke, and then she gets a leg lock in her second UFC fight. She's getting these first round submissions very easily, but she finds Marina Moros good boxing, good jujitsu. Um, so I don't think she can submit her early. So this is going to be a test for her. Um, Moros has got really good boxing. But I do think Karina Silva, uh, even though she won't submit her, I don't think, I think she will get takedowns and win a close uh, decision in the end and avenge the loss. I think Karina Silva will creep up those rankings pretty quick. Yeah, she looked good in her last five fights. Um, obviously, her last fight was just only one, one month and three weeks ago. So quite a quick turnaround. She got that sort of submission. She got that knee bar. Um, so quite a quick, quick turnaround, which could work in the favor. Um, obviously, Jennifer, um, not Jennifer, Andrea Lee last fought Jennifer Meyer um, eight months ago. So, um, been a little bit of a time off, but now she's ready to get back in there. And I agree, I think Silva's going to win. Um, her last fight, when they when they fought the first time, uh, Moros, Muna Moros, uh, Moros submitted her by armbar. So, interesting. Um, this will be one that obviously Kareem Silva would want to win, uh, to get over, uh, make it equal. In the sequel, should we say? So, uh, yeah, this is going to be a good one. I'm looking forward to it. I'm picking Green Silver as well, and that pretty much wraps up UFC 292. Yeah, this is going to be a fun part to watch. Uh, I think we're going to see some exciting finishes, and it's going to be in front of the Boston crowd. There's no fun Boston. Rob was supposed to be on the but I think uh, the Boston crowd is a very good crowd. So, I really think it's going to be epic. And if Sugar Sean pulls off the upside, then in the main event, it's going to be a card that we're going to remember for years to come. But I, I do think that Sugar Sean O'Malley is going to cancel the Sugar Show. 
absolutely agree. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, that pretty much wraps up the episode. Thank you very much, Oscar. An absolute pleasure. Um, I, I really enjoyed this one. Really good to talk about EC292, uh, Contender Series, PFL, and obviously last weekend in the USA as well. So uh, make sure you enjoy the fights and make sure you catch us next week, USC Singapore. Yeah, I'm not going to be watching that one live. I'll tell you that. That one's at four in the morning here in the U.S. So uh, I'll have to catch Come on, the, do it the replay. Yeah, I know you're used to those those hours, but uh, I don't think I could handle that. But it's an epic main event between the Korean Zombie and Max Bless Holloway. I really love that fight. And there's many, there's many great matchups on that card. So make sure to join us next week for our picks on that card. Absolutely. Make sure you catch us next week. As I also just said, make sure you check us out on all podcast platforms that we are on. Make sure you check us out on YouTube. Give it a like, give it a subscribe, whatever you want to do. Uh, but yeah, appreciate your time, everyone. An absolute pleasure. And we'll catch you next week, Wednesday, same time. Make sure to be there. Thank you very much. <laughs>